Welcome to the Gospel Changes Everything podcast, where together we'll explore how Jesus transforms us every day. Hey gang, welcome to today's episode of the Gospel Changes Everything podcast. I want to do something a little different today. I had this idea recently as I was trying to come up with new material for the podcast that I would grab some of the classic Christian books and read parts of them as the podcast in order to encourage you in your walk with Christ. There's so many good books out there that have been written many, many years ago, really back from the Puritans or from before and up through to today. But some are classics and may have been forgotten. Some are out of print. And so the book that I want to read from today is called A Spiritual Clinic by J. Oswald Sanders. Now, J. Oswald Sanders is mainly known for his book, Spiritual Leadership. And I didn't even know this book, Spiritual Clinic, was in print until my friend Rich Darginio led me to it. I had to go online and buy a used copy. It's not um, available uh, as a new copy any longer, but you can still get it online. And today, I'm going to read the last chapter in the book. And uh, I think you'll find it very encouraging, especially if you are reaching retirement age. But even not, it is a great challenge to your walk with Jesus if you are younger. So I hope you will enjoy this reading, and I would love to hear some thoughts on it. If you'd like me to find some more classic books to read about, let me know if you find it helpful, and I'll keep searching. J. Oswald Sanders was born 1902 and died 1992. He was a Christian leader for nearly 70 years and authored more than 40 books on the Christian life, including The Incomparable Christ, Spiritual Discipleship, spiritual leadership, spiritual maturity, and of course, a spiritual clinic. He left a promising law practice in his native New Zealand to serve as an instructor and administrator at the Bible College of New Zealand. Dr. Sanders later became general director of the China Inland Mission, now known as Overseas Missionary Fellowship, and was instrumental in beginning many new missions projects throughout East Asia. Spiritual Mountaineering Give me this mountain, Joshua 14.12. Caleb, the Mr. Greatheart of the Old Testament, was a man who never ceased growing. Passing years, instead of witnessing gradual eclipse, only served to increase his stature. He demonstrated the exhilarating truths that it is possible for the greatest achievement in life to take place in old age, and that there is no fixed retiring age in the divine service. At every stage of life, he merits our emulation. In no respect does he disappoint us. The open secret of his godly, consistent, growing life is enshrined in five simple words, which can be as true of us as they were of him. Quote, he wholly followed the Lord. Caleb was consistent in youth. He appears on the stage of Israel's history as a comparatively young man. Nothing is recorded of his youth, but his subsequent record gives an accurate insight into his character as a young man. We are told nothing of the 30 years of our Lord's obscurity, but the following three years of his ministry tell us all we need to know of it. The crisis does not create, but always reveals the man. Until the crisis of shipwreck, Paul was merely one of certain prisoners, but then he became the undisputed master of the situation. The choice of Caleb, a ruler in Judah, as one of the twelve spies indicated the esteem in which he was held by leader and people. 
Two qualities stand out conspicuously. First, he showed undaunted courage. Moral courage is greater and rarer than physical courage, but Caleb demonstrated both in the crisis at Kadesh. His moral courage shone out as he stood almost alone against the growing tide of popular opinion. This is one of the most difficult tests for youth, which craves popularity. It is difficult to pursue steadily an opposite course when everyone is doing it. Not everyone is willing to sponsor a minority cause. It is all too easy to maintain a guilty silence in an adverse theological climate. It took no small degree of physical courage to persist in his attitude of faith when the stones began to fly, but he refused to be intimidated and bow to the wish of the majority. Then, his was a robust and unwavering faith, a quality which ranks high in the divine scale of values. And his faith was more remarkable because it flourished amid the noise of the unbelief rising from the majority report of the spies. Quote, The people be strong, the cities are walled and very great. We saw the giants. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. We, we were not able to go up against the people. They are stronger than we are. A land that eats up the inhabitants. All the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. This was from Numbers 13. Into this chilling atmosphere of despair and unbelief, Caleb injects a shot of undaunted faith. Quote, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome. The Lord will bring us into this land. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. The Lord is with us. Fear them not. From Numbers 13.30 and Numbers 14.8-9. What a magnificent blending of faith and courage Caleb displayed. Were there fearsome giants? They were bred to them. And as one writer put it, the bigger the giant, the bigger the loaf. Caleb and Joshua, the minority of faith, had seen all the ten had seen, nor had they minimized the greatness of the task. The difference between them and the ten lay in the fact that while the ten had measured the strength of the giants against their own grasshopper strength, the two matched it against the omnipotence of God. Faith gives a true perspective. The ten urged, let us go back to Egypt. How soon they had forgotten the taskmaster's lash, but for Caleb there was no turning back. As we face our own particular giants in walled cities, are we emulating the ten or the two? Many who soared like rockets in youth have descended like sticks before the testings of middle life. True, these are not so volcanic as those of youth, but they are much more subtle. Marriage knocks many a promising young person out of active spiritual warfare. Instead of transmuting the vanishing enthusiasms of youth into a worthy life purpose, we soften things and become anemic and insipid. There comes a loss of spiritual fervor, a waning of personal devotion, the feeling that we now earned the right to ease up on self-denial and to indulge ourselves a little, to yield to softening ease and settle down. Too often, unrealized ideals in marriage and home life come to be acceptable as inevitable. With the fixing of life tendencies and habits, disillusionment, criticism, and sometimes cynicism become the pattern of life in greater or lesser degree. There comes an unconscious deterioration of moral and spiritual fiber. Caleb satisfactorily passed the test of youth. 
but how does he fare in the long, drawn-out test of middle life? His was a singularly hard and embittering lot. Despite his own faith and courage, he was doomed to suffer a life of frustration and disappointment for 40 years because of the unbelief of his contemporaries. Unbelief always affects others and infects them too, for it is very contagious. Doomed to aimless wandering at the age when his powers were at their zenith, he could easily have become petulant and disgruntled, but he successfully resisted the surrounding influences and survived the long-sustained test without losing moral or spiritual stature. He has soared with wings as an eagle in his youth, and now he has mastered the art of running without wearying, stabilized by the vitality of his faith. But can he walk without fainting, triumphant in old age? Caleb provides us with a glorious conception of the possibilities of old age. His supreme opportunity presented itself when he was 85 years old. To him, it was not petering out, but pressing on to new achievement, not descending the mountain, but attacking a higher peak, not senility and sterility, but adventure and achievement. His life moved steadily forward, not to termination, but to consummation. His last years were the best. He towers above his contemporaries at every age. In his youth, he stood alone. In old age, he climbs alone. After 40 years of waiting for the fulfillment of the divine promise, he has lost none of his aggressive faith, none of his drive. Caleb was physically viral. Quote, my strength is now for war. Joshua 14.11 Hear this man of 85 who should have been putting on his soft slippers talk about binding on shoes of iron so that he can ascend the mountain and rout the giants. Caleb was spiritually adventurous. Quote, give me this mountain, Joshua 14.12, he demanded. Which mountain? The one where dwelt the fearsome and invincible giants, of course. The mountain which more than 45 years ago, the unhurrying Lord had promised to Caleb and his seed. Still effervescent with youth, he tackles his greatest task. His was not careless recklessness, but calculating faith. He cherished a godly ambition and would be satisfied with nothing less than the complete fulfillment of the divine promise. Give me this mountain is a grand watchword for the aging Christian. Are we losing our spirit of aggression, becoming hesitant to rise a step of faith for God? Do we inwardly shrink from the rigors of the battle? Are we conscious of the fascination of things we left in our youth? Perhaps what we need is to remove our slippers, don the shoes of iron, and ask the Lord for some forbidding mountain to conquer in his name. We can take courage from Caleb. The best lies yet ahead. Caleb never stopped growing because his faith never wavered. Reverend C.H. Nash, who has trained a thousand young men and women for Christian service, retired from his principalship at the age of 70, but not to rust out. At 80, he received assurance from the Lord of a further 10 years of fruitful ministry, an assurance which was abundantly fulfilled. When he was nearing 90, I found him completing the reading of the sixth volume of Toynbee's monumental history, and after his 90th birthday, I heard him lift a great congregation into the presence of God in a never-to-be-forgotten prayer of dedication. 
Like Caleb, he defied the natural order and continued increasing in stature into old age. Perhaps the most noteworthy feature of Caleb's achievement was that of all the young men in Israel. All his own contemporaries had fallen in the wilderness. Not one wholly expelled the enemy from his territory. But, quote, Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, the record says. Concerning the others, among whom Canaan was divided, there runs the melancholy refrain, They did not utterly drive them out. The Canaanites would dwell in the land. There remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Two reasons were given for their failure to dispossess their enemies. First, sheer inability. Quote, they could not drive them out. End quote. Their lack of faith resulted in lack of power. Second, indolence. Quote, how long will ye be slack to go and possess the land? Chided Joshua. Why did the aged Caleb prevail where the youthful Israelites were frustrated? Here is a five-word secret. He wholly followed the Lord. The importance of this secret is emphasized by the number of times it is repeated in the record. Caleb, with an approving conscience, was able to assert it of himself. He says in Joshua 14.8, I wholly followed the Lord. This was not boasting, but sober statement of fact. Moses, his revered leader, who had every opportunity of appraising his character and attitude, asserted, quote, Thou hast wholly followed the Lord, Joshua 14.9. But the most striking testimony comes from God himself, quote, from Numbers 14.24. My servant Caleb hath followed me fully, end quote. Caleb completely dispossessed his enemies, giants and all, because he wholly followed the Lord. With him, there were no divided loyalties. There was a steady obedience to light received and uncomplaining acceptance of the divine will as he learned it. No murmuring at the unfairness of his lot. To him, the will of God was good, acceptable, perfect. God moved very slowly but he was content to wait God's time. In the language of the New Testament, as a logical act of worship, he presented his body a living sacrifice to God, in striking contrast to the faithless multitude whose, quote, carcasses fell in the wilderness because they were unwilling for that sacrifice. Are there spiritual enemies in our lives which refuse to be dislodged? Giants who laugh at our puny efforts to dispossess them? Do we find our charter much larger than the spiritual territory we actually occupy and enjoy? There is a reason. There are some areas in our lives in which we are not wholly following the Lord. Some inner reservation, some flaw in dedication, something which short-circuits spiritual power and saps spiritual vitality. Caleb's open secret is for us too. Complete victory results from utter obedience. Sanders then quotes the words of the famous missionary Amy Carmichael, Make us thy mountaineers. We would not linger on the lower slope. Fill us afresh with hope, thou God of hope, that undefeated we may climb the hill as seeing him who is invisible. The last words of the chapter, Sanders writes, Die climbing.